Welcome to EDS at Union's Now podcast series. We are fortunate this week to have with us Dr. Sandra Montez, who has been on campus all week as the Chapel Office and EDS at Union's Artists in Residence. She has been helping to shape our worship services and leading music throughout the week and served as a guest lecturer in Delta Dr. Altagracia Perez's Spanish for Ministry class this past week and helped us as well in our celebration of Absalom Jones. So thank you for being with us this week and thank you for being with us in this conversation at the EDS and Union Now podcast. Thank you very much. Sandra, you've been here all week as the artists in residence bringing paperless music into daily worship. What's that mean? For me, you know, because there are other uh, translations of paperless music, but for me, it just means to bring something accessible to people, something that is easy to sing, something that is easy to pronounce. Um, So for me, that is just how community starts, with just being able to sing as soon as you share something with people for them to be able to participate. So that's what it means to me. And sometimes it does have a lot of lyrics, but it's lyrics that we already know. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so an easy way for everybody to feel like they're a part of the service, exactly. whether they know the song or not. Right. And most importantly, whether they can sing or not. Right. I've right. <laughs> participated in a couple of the services with you this week, and I am a non-singer, and I found myself acting like I could sing. Uh, and, and that's what you bring to the service. How do you see music and worship evolving in the Episcopal Church? I know even here, as, as we have been EDS in union, when uh, Episcopal worship is designated, people expect to come in and hear these kind of uh, anthems and it's to be pedantic and in fact since you've been here this week a couple of people have said wow <laughs> this is Episcopal worship so how do you see uh, music and worship evolving in our church? You know sadly I don't see it evolving very much <laughs> when I visit and I visit a lot of churches I you know you, you hit the nail on the head with the anthems I, I kind of want to write something about dismantling anthems. Yeah. <laughs> because um, I think that's very, like, no, you can't sing it with us. You know, this music right. is just for us, and we're going to perform it for you. We're not going to, you know, you're not invited to participate. And I'm not about that. Like, whenever I'm invited anywhere, I want people to sing with me. Right. Um, I try to have, you know, songs that are easy, or even start either clapping together or humming, etc. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful for those of us who are trying to to help the church evolve, you know, past the 1982 hymnal. I mean, even just getting leave us, I mean, yeah. that, and actually not just getting it, but opening it up, right, you know, right. would, would help. And, um, and there's a lot of us that are writing music, a lot of us that are bringing things from other countries. Um, that's my hope. But, it, you know, it comes from the top. It really does come from the top. I think every change comes from the top. Uh, and so, um, and I know, like, for example, Dan Davidson is the music minister for the House of Bishops. Right. So I'm all, you know, and I know he takes a lot of music, and I wish that, you know, the bishops would take it to their diocese. But, you know, sometimes we go to that um, camp experience, and so we leave those songs at camp yeah. instead of bringing them into church. 
and the songs can be adapted. I mean, any song could be sung in any church. It's just about us being open to it, I think. Yeah, and you say that it comes from the top, but I wonder how much influence, in fact, the people in the pews have and trying to at least demand a change uh, in the way worship takes place. And of course, if you begin to lose those folks, uh, then you know you uh, seek to figure out what's going on and why that worship experience isn't speaking to them. But what impact, influence can those folks sitting in the pews have? Oh, I think we have a lot of impact. But the thing is, we have to uh, be invited mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, uh, priests or music directors do not ask the congregation what we want or what we hope for. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, What's also difficult, especially for those of us who are like either um, Native American or Asians or Latinx, we usually need to be invited to even speak. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, you know, uh, just say, oh, I wish that y'all would sing this song. Or So it, so there's that re- we need a relationship between the pastor, the music director, and the congregation. And a lot of times we don't have that. Sometimes mm-hmm. not even the pastor or the music director have a relationship. So then there's that broken, you right. know, already. So it's just, I think the relationship and I keep going back to that all the time that's the most important thing in church I mean that's how Jesus was you know it's just or is excuse me and um, just that relationship but if we don't have that then I'm not going to know what you would like to hear at church um, and I often say, too, like, we don't have to be comfortable. I don't have to like every single song that we do. I, and, and there could be silence even, mm-hmm. you know, to unite us. And But people are, a lot of times we're just so used to doing things a certain way. Right. And then we just are afraid or comfortable and, you know, we don't change. Yeah, one of the things, you know, I hear you talking and uh, almost a flexibility that we're afraid of in so many respects in the Episcopal Church and people think of our liturgy as rigid and and, and cold in some respects. But what I hear you saying is uh, coincides with what Bishop Lee has said. There's a flexibility in the liturgy and openness to the liturgy. And of course, he talks about opening up Mm -hmm. uh, the prayer book. And many people don't understand that lit, our liturgy is in fact meant to be in some respects I, I say played with right. you know it's, yeah. it's, it's playful yeah. uh, in that respect and I see you bringing that mm. uh, in so many respects to our liturgy thank you I think in that, I think that has to do a lot with also our seminaries mm-hmm. um, you know because I think that a lot of us don't realize that there is play there is um, I don't know how to how to describe it, but for me, it's just we don't have to be so serious about <laughs> right. something. I mean, it is very serious, yeah. but we don't have to be so serious about it. You know, it's I think we can respect it and at the same time follow it and say, you know what? Why don't we bring this and let's see if this could work? And sometimes it doesn't. You know, that's right. let's be honest. Sometimes it doesn't work. Right. And but a lot of times it does. But at least we tried something new or we tried something different mm-hmm. uh, for our church. So it's. I think it's just, you know, to be able to have people that continue to give us, quote unquote, permission Mm -hmm. to do things. And um, especially with our liturgy, I think I think it's beautiful. You know, sometimes I I come from an evangelical background, so I'm like, what's liturgy? And but at the same time, I really love and it's comforting to me that at a certain time, hopefully all of us are saying the Lord's Prayer or hopefully all of us are doing communion in all around the country mm-hmm. or in all around the, you know, the world. And so that's comforting to me, even if it's done differently. 
Yeah, images. there's there is something. It's interesting that you say that because I've always thought there is something powerful mm. knowing that all across mm. the Anglican Communion on any given Sunday right. you are all reading the same yeah. lessons yeah. and saying the same prayers mm-hmm. uh, even before. I was ordained to the priesthood, I thought, wow, there's mm-hmm. something, you know, powerful about yeah. that, that knowing even in many tongues across the world, right. uh, people are saying the same thing mm-hmm. uh, in our church at the same time. Which leads me, you are very multi-talented, mm-hmm. multi-gifted, mm-hmm. Dr. Montez. You have a doctorate in education. You uh, serve as a consultant with ECF. You, of course, were born in Peru, grew up in Guatemala, mm-hmm. settled in Texas. I guess somebody <laughs> had to do it. Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, have, have a particular passion for family. Your son, I understand that. I have a son. Mm-hmm. Translator, speaker, consultant. How did you start doing this? <laughs> Like music, you know, or what? Yes. You know, my mom always says that I used to just start singing. I would just sing all the time. And um, the, the joy, I, 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 as a matter of fact, when I was born, I smiled. And so the doctor <laughs> I can was imagine like, you know, that. And, and so that's that joy mm-hmm. that just goes around with me. And, and uh, when I was born, I wasn't supposed to live. And my lungs weren't working hmm. and all that stuff. And so when people hear me sing now, you know, you can tell Jesus really did heal me completely hmm. because my lungs work perfectly fine. <laughs> and my students, when I was a teacher, they can tell you this. They work really fine. <laughs> but yeah, so for me, it's just that being able to share that joy with others and that gratefulness to God that I am healed. And I am, I don't know what God has for me all the time, mm-hmm. but I just know that there's something. Wow, so it's no wonder that uh, what you bring to worship is so alive and so joyful because it sounds like in so many ways what you're doing is your testimony. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> exactly uh, right. uh, and, and indeed your thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Tell me this. You know, we're our, the Episcopal Church, with it being, as was said at our general convention, our most recent general convention, the uh, church pension group said that our church is the whitest, that this country is whiter, actually, than this nation has been at its whitest. Yet we know that there is a great demographic shift in our country and perhaps one of the reasons and not perhaps uh, one of the central reasons that we are seeing such a visceral pushback in make America great again. It's sort of whiteness standing its ground. It's last dying breath. Mm. And sometimes I wonder if our church is standing its Mm. ground Mm. and if indeed uh, it's hanging on by uh, the hair of its chinny chin chin uh, to be the church that it it currently is. It's with its uh, white demographic. Mm-hmm. How are we going to change that? Mm-hmm. Do you see hope? What do you what do you what do you? Yeah, I do see hope. Be- and, and that's the only reason why I stay, uh, because almost every day I ask myself, you know, what am I doing here? 
you know, with, with a church that doesn't seem to want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see hope. I mean, the, the recent elections of an openly gay, married male, a lot of women of color, I mean, that's hopeful to me. Uh, what I usually ask people is just open your doors. The, the, the neighborhoods are not dying. Our right. churches may be dying, but the neighborhoods are not. And if you open the doors, why does it look like the people inside mm-hmm. our, our church? Usually it doesn't. So what is it that we need to do? I mean, we're called by Jesus to go out and share the good news. The good news that Jesus loves us, that God loves us, no matter what happens, you know, we're always loved. And uh, so for me, that's what we need to do. That's what the church needs to do, just open its doors. And uh, those of us who are bold enough, we can just, you know, not even... Uh, accept an invitation but just go through the doors and demand that you know hey we're we're here open the doors to us you know and and i know it's going to be difficult and it is it has been difficult but it's not impossible so i'm very hopeful for our church especially with leaders like you and with leaders like you know that are that are coming forward and we're giving we're actually listening you know to 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 you and others i think that's really really important for our church well, thank you, and we're listening. I'm listening to persons like you uh, and really how to do this. You know, one of the things that uh, churches are doing, and uh, for good or for bad, is trying to have more bilingual mm-hmm. liturgies. Now, of course, that is not the answer, the full answer to the way we uh, change systemic and structural things that prevent uh, more diverse congregations. But... And sometimes people do them poorly, and sometimes mm-hmm. they do them well. How do you prepare or lead a good bilingual worship service? For me, um, what I encourage people to do is to ask people what they want. Mm-hmm. That, that's really, and it's mm-hmm. all about the relationship. You know, going back to that, we have to. You know, why are we doing it? Is it because we hope you know to to you know include people? One of the things that I always share is that one cathedral they had this banner that it said, "Oh, mariachi." Um, service at one Hmm. and so that's not inviting to me because I'm Peruvian and so although I do like mariachi music but it's not something that I really love and want to sing the whole mass um so but so white people were like oh my god right exactly you know and so but so what who do we have around us right Right? who do we have I mean that that's the question like if if they ask the whole church I mean maybe we want one mariachi song great right right. but maybe we don't want them all to be the same way and so one of the things that I did was I dismantled that really quickly when I started working there I mean they were not because they would come with their mariachi guard (laughs) (laughs) oh don't make me (laughs) yes And so, and so I was like, okay, the first thing is like, we're not wearing that and we're going to change songs, et cetera. So anyway, but, you know, but to me, it's like, okay, who do we have in our pews? And <laughs> I'm sorry. We're laughing. I just, I, I'm just trying to envision this spectacle, you know, you can't make this stuff no, up. No, you can't. <laughs> right. Now, now some people, like I said, some people really love it and there are some people that do it really well, mm-hmm. but that's, to me, that's what it is. I, I always talk about being real, you know, having respectful relationships, being excellent, not perfect, but excellent, mm-hmm. being authentic and then doing it all with love. And so when we do that, we can see that, okay, my relationship with you, what is it that you like? What kind right. of music do you like? Exactly. And then go from there. Because sometimes some people, you know, they may not want a bilingual service, you know, right. and, and we have to be respectful to that. Um, and um, and it is, you know, I know that usually the dominant 
uh, congregation will be very upset or would be very uncomfortable, that's fine. To me, I'm like, be, be uncomfortable for one Sunday. Don't come that Sunday. It's okay. Right. But, uh, but if people do need or want that bilingual service, then that is what you need to do. Now, for me, I, I look at the readings, of course. I look at music from all over, you know, not only just the hymnals, but also I ask my friends. Mm-hmm. I go online, see what's the popular music right now. And that's where I get the music for the liturgies. Um, to me, if it's your first time, do it simple. Do you know the least uh, songs as possible? Very mm-hmm. easy songs, um, and if you are in a church that has been having you know like a Spanish service and an English service, mm-hmm. make sure that you're doing similar songs or the same right. songs in both services, and that way when you bring them all together, it's like oh wait I know that song, so then I can actually sing it in the other language because I think that's really important because sometimes we come together mm-hmm. and we have like ten new songs that nobody has heard. And so nobody's thinking and everybody's uncomfortable, you know, so I think that's really important to have those songs that we all actually can sing together. But it takes takes planning. It takes a lot of patience and uh, and it just takes a lot of conversations. Wow. In less than five minutes, <laughs> you have given us a good primer <laughs> on how and how not to do a bilingual service. And I think one of the very important things that you uh, said is you ask the people, yeah, and that you know, and the and you ask yourself who's the service for, right? Right, and just as you described the mariachi uh, spectacle, uh, clearly that service was not to be welcoming right. to a Latinx community, but it was for the non-Latinx people to feel good about themselves mm-hmm. for what they were doing. Right. So I think that that is, if there's no other takeaway, right, that's a primary takeaway, a good takeaway. You ask the people and, you know, as you see, you know the community. Exactly. Right? You've got to know your community mm-hmm. around you and, yeah. to, and to, to get out of the church, which leads me to ask you this as we well I could talk with you (laughs) all day Uh, but I want to ask you what have been your greatest joys as a Latinx woman in in the Episcopal Church and then what are your greatest disappointments my greatest joy um, coming from the evangelical tradition is the openness of the Episcopal Church Mm. Uh, the when I first started at ECF, I actually, that was my question. I, I wanted to know why are people, why are Latinx people in church? Like what, what is the identity? What is the uh, Episcopal identity? And every single person that I spoke to said, I am in the Episcopal church because I could actually read. Um, as soon as I started, I could be a leader. I could take communion, mm-hmm. uh, which I hadn't because I'm divorced or I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. living in sin, etc. But that openness to everybody. And I praise God for that, because if I would have stayed in the evangelical tradition, my son wouldn't have been invited, you know, welcome. Right. I would not have been welcome as a divorced person. Um, so for me, it's that it's my greatest joy has been just knowing that not all the churches are that open, but most of them, mm-hmm. as, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. are. Um, and then the disappointments for me is it's just I've been an Episcopalian for 30 years and it seems like it's still the same. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the first sermons that I ever heard when I started in the um, more of a, you know, multi um, um, 
when I started working more of like a whole diocesan or a whole worldwide Episcopal church, um, I heard that we were part of the whiter church. And I was like, yes, amen. Because I thought it's, they said whiter church, but they meant whiter church. And so, but I still feel like that's how it is. I go to many places where I'm invited to speak and everyone around me is white. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's disappointing to me. But again, I stay because I'm hopeful. Yeah. So w- last question, I promise. So <laughs> if I asked you what the church, what you hope the church would look like, I'm going to ask you 10 years from now. Mm. What's your dream? My dream is that it's a church that has a bunch of different uh, instruments <laughs> all around um, that we can hear a beautiful organ prelude and you know or, or an organ uh playing one of our favorite episcopal quote-unquote hymns that do not sound like they do today <laughs> um and yet there's also a guitar playing um another one of our favorite you know hymns um that there's multi languages whether it is we are singing in english you know some of these multicultural songs or we're singing in different languages that the people in the pews look like me, like you, and like uh, like it does now even, you know, mm-hmm. just all different colors, all different ages, all different abilities, and um, and just for all of us to, to know that we're all welcome, and, um, and to be able to, like for me, to be able to sing as loud as I want, and to run around the church if I feel like it, and nobody freaks out. <laughs> you know? Now There's that, no side eye. That, right. Now that will be the day right. in the Episcopal Church. Thank you, Dr. Sandra Montez. You, not only much. for this conversation, but for the wonderful gifts and person that you bring to our church. And for those of you out there listening, you have just had the treat of listening to one of the leading voices and leaders of our church. And with persons like Dr. Sandra Montez, we're gonna get better, there is hope. Thank you. Thank you.